Be sure to catch the new podcast, Unfiltered with Bob Z. If you prefer your information unfiltered, then you don't want to miss this podcast. Unfiltered is keeping the community informed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Unfiltered with Bob Z. I'm your host, Bob Z, and this is the podcast where we promise to keep it unfiltered. We're going to give it to you just like we get it. Um, today we are fortunate to have our, as our guest today we have Mr. James Boyd who is the president of the Portsmouth NAACP. I'd like to welcome you to the show. I appreciate it, uh, Bob. I appreciate uh, for being on and looking forward to the dialogue. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to uh, hunt this guy. <laughs> you know, you try to uh, you know I really um, been observing and, and watching the things that he's been doing in the community. So I'm like, man, I, I gotta I gotta get I gotta get up with uh, Mr. Boyd, man. Appreciate you. And um, you know, he's been more than accommodating. We just try to have to find the time to to link up. So um, you know, um, some of the questions I had I had a lot of questions, but I guess the first question right off the top is that. You know, in this area, era, excuse me, this era, you know, uh, we call it, um, people call it the new awakening. Personally, I, I kind of look at it like a, a, a second renaissance of the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. And um, I, my question for you is that how does it feel to be on the, um, the front lines, so to speak? Um, so many things have changed since um, the, the unfortunate tragedy with Mr. George Floyd, it mm -hmm. seemed to have, this, I, I say it broke the camel's back. It broke the camel's neck. It just mm -hmm. broke the whole camel. You know, we just, we, you know, it was like, okay. And, and the thing that was really fascinating to me, I have never seen in, in, in all my life protesters in Japan, right. Korea, right. Germany, and, you know, saying, come on, United States. Come right. on, United States. What are y'all doing? So for you, you, you know, we've had, you know, our own struggles here Absolutely. after Rose. Yes, sir. We, you know, we were, we were here from the beginning. So how are things changing in, in your point of view from being on the front line mm -hmm. since the George Fort Lord tragedy? Yeah, to put it in the, the backdrop of Rabab of 400 years of slavery and oppression in, in this country. And um, I think what you're seeing in this, in this moment, as you said, kind of like the second um, iteration of the Civil Rights Movement, you're seeing black suffrage on the international stage, right? Um, it's almost like the, um, you know, Dr. King and, and the movement wanted the world to see how America, you know, America's greatest sin towards us as a people. Right. And I think that's what um, we're seeing now. We're seeing the systemic pattern of abuse, not only at the hands of the criminal justice system, law enforcement, also economically, educationally, and in other realms. Um, and I think you just have where a generation of people are tired of, of, tired of seeing it. Right, and uh, right. it's an unapologetic movement. Um, I think, mm. you know, being on the front lines, you know, having been out there protesting, being in the community, um, there is a there is a spirit of courage out there that um, I haven't seen in, in a while being in the, in the movement for a little bit. So it's encouraging. Right. And uh, we got to keep it going. You know, um, I, I guess some, one of the nicknames, and, and this is um, it's going somewhere with this. Yeah. Um, one of the nicknames is the Seven Cities for this area, uh -huh. and and I always say I grew up in Norfolk, but I always I always recognize that each 
particular city mm-hmm. has its own identity. I mean, you know, generally, if you're talking to somebody and somebody say, well, I'm from Portsmouth, you say, well, I can see that. Yeah, or yeah, I'm from yeah. Virginia Beach. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you act kind of beachy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> you know? uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's very unique. So, um, you know, as the president of the Portsmouth chapter, um, what are some of the unique challenges um, that you face in relationship to maybe some of the, the other chapters? Yeah, I think, so Portsmouth, um, the demographic is majority black. It's a majority black city. It's the only one, right? Um, one, yeah, the only one, actually, you're right, yeah. um, in, the, in the seven cities. Um, and, but it has a deep system of tradition in it, right? Mm. Um, and we always call Portsmouth like the, the smallest big city around, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's small enough where everybody knows each other, but big enough to where, you know, you can kind of form your own identity as well. Um, but there's deep systems of bigotry and racism in it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge that we have um, in Portsmouth is we are trying to form an identity, right? You see a lot of things happening um, in some certain cases in Portsmouth, but I've always said to the leadership of the city, we can have an identity, but what is that identity going to be now going forward? Is it going to be diverse and inclusive? Is it going to be equitable and fair? And I think that's where we're at a crossroads now in Portsmouth. That's why you see the strife. You literally see ideolo- uh, ideological clash. Wow. And that's what's happening. You have the old guard that wants to maintain, mm-hmm. and you have this new progressive wing of young, okay. energetic activists that want to change the identity of Portsmouth so everybody can be involved in it. You know, and, and I agree with you 100%. I remember just uh, probably the last couple of years where I started to say, well, it's right across the water. Uh-huh. You know, and, you know, I, I started really going over to some of the political activities. I remember when when Don Scott was running and right. di- different political activities. I said, well, wow. And I, when I got over to Portsmouth, I'm like, I did not know mm-hmm. that it is a very progressive uh, group of um, young African Americans that are really, really wanting to do things and make changes. And I was, I was thinking, and I was always saying, well, man, why don't Norfolk and Portsmouth, if we got together, uh-huh. oh my God, yeah. you know? But it's, it's so, it's, it's the, the mindset is still so, you know, you know, it's it's almost, and we, we we're separated by not even a mile of the um, Elizabeth River. So Absolutely, it's, it's crazy that. That we don't in, 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 in go as a, uh, I know it's a whole region, but just as Norfolk and Portsmouth, you know, just together, because we have many of the concerns. For example, mm-hmm. when they put the tolls, they put the tolls between Norfolk and Portsmouth. Right. You know, they didn't put the tolls when you, you know, when we used to ride down Virginia Beach yeah. on, 60, on yeah. 264, the tolls are between the two working class cities. That affect, I call it a tax. It is a tax. It's a user yeah. tax, actually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when they did that, I was like, well, you know, that's, that doesn't make sense. So I guess the question, you know, let's talk philosophy. Yeah. And obviously to serve in your role, it takes a sense of duty and consciousness. Mm-hmm. So what philosophy do you use as a guide when confronting the issues that we're dealing with? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, so... John Lewis, um, who's a civil rights icon, we know, um, who just uh, passed away. Rest in peace. Um, Absolutely. He used the term that I think all of us subscribe to in the movement, which is um, nonviolent war, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have studied tactics of the civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s. The beautiful thing about that was they were able to sustain the movement. 
And a lot of people really don't understand. Mm. You know, you go out there, you march, you protest, and it's like a moment. You're like, man, you know, that was, they sustained that thing for 10 years. And that's the kind of movement that we're going to have to accomplish to change the, the what some people like to say, the, the, the soul of America, right? Right, right. Um, and so we have to get to sustainability. So those tactics we've been looking at, it, nonviolent tactics, things that um, our, our forefathers, our ancestors used uh, to really push forth the, the struggle. So we've, we've done that, um, obviously, um, using uh, through nonviolence, using um, attention and other things to bring out what's going on. Um, but more than anything, it's the courage to stand up when it's time for us to stand up and willing to deal with the consequences, willing to deal with the consequences that come with, uh, come with the nonviolent struggle that we want to put forth in our community. Okay. Look, well, how long, what, what, what year do you know, I guess you know the history of, the, of your organization. Uh -huh. When did it first uh, form? Um, yeah, so the NAACP started in 1909. Wow. Um, okay. it, it formed to address lynchings um, mm -hmm. in, in the country. Right. Uh, you had people like W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, that was one of the founders of the NAACP, one of the main founders of the NAACP, also the uh, first uh, editor of the magazine called The Crisis, okay. uh, where he started to bring attention to um, not only Pan-Africanism, but again, the uh, problems with um, lynching in America. From that time, the NAACP continued to grow. Um, and now today it's a civil rights advocacy organization that is, whose sole purpose is to eradicate race-based discrimination in all its forms. Yeah, look, you mentioned W.B. Du Bois, and, and it was funny because I, I was thinking that, like, um, we're looking at, like, okay, Black Lives Matter, let's talk Black Lives Matter, and I was thinking, I remember the old, um, I guess it was a philosophical struggle where you yeah. have Booker T. Washington on one end and you have um, W.E.B. Du Bois on mm -hmm. you know, the other end. Yep. And I was always team W.E. Uh -huh, that, that for uh -huh, me, uh -huh. just personally, just growing up in this area. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement has had a, a pretty enormous impact culturally uh, yep. just for the last few years. And that's why I kind of asked you, like, well, when was, you know, when, I didn't know the exact year uh -huh. that the NAACP was founded. But um, so, um, how do you feel like the two organizations, do, do they support each other's goals? Or, or how do you differ in, in your opinion with respect to methods? Yeah, so let me say this out front. Um, we gotta be careful that we do not allow um, lettered organizations to divide, to divide us. First of all, That's we right. are black in America. That's we are right. black in the universe. We are family. I don't care you know, what, what way we tend to exercise and lift our voices. Um, we're still black. Here's the thing. It, it takes one voice to be listened to. It takes several voices to be heard. So the challenge that we have is we have to come together as a people. Yet the tactics, um, so the NAACP is, um, has had tactical organizational things that we've executed for years, right? And right, that's still right. the case, right? Looking at policy, how we activate. And we also do like what we call direct action, marches, protests, et cetera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Black Lives Matter um, has the same, with same similar tactics. They may have a different method of going about it, um, but still, it's still the same goal. We still have the, in, in a lot of cases, in terms of the liberation of our people. Now, there's some organizational things, values that Black Lives, the organization Black Lives Matter has. Now, remember, there's the outward expression that Black Lives Matter, right? right? Which is just a, a black expression in America internationally uh, right. as well. 
Um, but then there's organizational structure of Black Lives Matter and the NAACP where there are there may be some value differences. But the message is still the same, black liberation in America. Um, we want to eradicate black uh, oppression and we want to hold systems accountable in this country to make sure that we move racism and bigotry um, out of the fabric of America. Okay, okay. I, you know, I, I agree 100% that, you know, it's always, even even to today, you know, um, we just had, um, last night, Joe Biden just announced that Kamala Harris was going to be his right, vice president. Right. And even today, I think I just, I posted on my uh, social media, I said, well, all of these people are saying, you know, you know, well, this happened and that happened. I'm like, the only, the only game they have, right. their only shot mm-hmm. is to divide us. Right. That's, that's it, you know, right. because if we, if we move as a block in anything, if anything, if we just took all, if we took all our money and said, well, we want to buy, we want to buy Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> you Listen, know. We, we have, we are the most resourceful people in the history of the world. We have been able to endure so much right. and still survive. If you think about the black experience, um, the human experience that we have um, endured from slavery to Jim Crow to um, even instances now where we still yet survive, we, are, we can pull things together. And that's the message that we want to put out in our community in Portland. Like, here's the thing. We don't have to be defined by what society tells us we should be. We can come together and rally around each other. Yes, we have differences. That's fine. We're going to continue to have differences. Right, exactly. But at the end of the day, there's certain things, there's certain, there's certain commonalities that we have right. that we should not ever be divided on, right? And that's, that's the thing that we got to be careful. We got to be careful about the political party system trying to divide us. We got to be careful about certain, um, certain factions trying to divide us in the black community. You right. know, and that's why with, with our brands particularly, I've made it very clear that I don't care you know, what your philosophical issue is, you should be able to stand up and and advocate for the liberation of our people, period, to end racism. So that's the kind of atmosphere we got to have, especially now, and politically we got to have it. Right. Indeed. That's our... That, register to vote. Register to vote. Yeah. Uh, and vote. <laughs> and vote. Right. Register and vote. I think that's Consciously. Our, that may be our Achilles heel, that division piece. I right. mean, I guess they used to call it crabs in the barrel or whatever, um, you know, phrase you want to attach to it, but right. it's basically just divide and conquer, right. you know, because, you know, um, if, if we ever do anything and just move move as a people, you know, um, and, I, and I always said that about, um, let's say, voting, um, you know, and I was like, well, I remember um, in 1964 mm-hmm. when the Civil Rights Act, you know, came about, it's actually... Uh, 65, I right, think, when, right. uh, when it was signed, but so, mm-hmm. 1964, mm-hmm. that's when um, the Republicans, you know, we moved from the Republican Party because the Republican Party, most of us were in the Republican Party mm-hmm. uh, as a as a block. I, mean, mm-hmm. um, I think it was, uh, I think they said that after that 40% voted, that, you know, Republican or something like that, but when, when, when the Republicans failed to support the civil rights legislation, that's when we became Democrats. And, and I was just thinking, you know, speaking of what we're talking about, vote, you know, move, moving as a block, hey, if the, if the Democrats mess up, we'll move again. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, here's the th- I, I would say it started, it started even back to where um, 
uh, Roosevelt when he started during the depression when the he new started deal. putting in the new deal right. social right. programs I think we started to shift sure. even then right. and here's the thing the yes so you would have to wear um, a lot of things that you know that we are advocates for it may lie in the party, but it doesn't mean in the Democratic Party, it doesn't mean that we don't hold that party accountable. Right. Exactly. It doesn't mean that we, and that's what we got to really start to understand is we have to be issue-based voters. Hey, at the end of the day, yes, we want to be a part of, but the question is, does the party want us? See, and that's how we got to flip it. Right. Hey, if you want us to be a part of it, you have to be inclusive. No longer is this, and this is the beauty about the moment now, bro, um, bro Bob. No longer is it this atmosphere of I'm voting Democrat just because. Right. No, now no. you have to show and prove. And you have to and you have to say, hey, how am I going to address the serious disparities in this country? What kind of appropriation bills am I going to put up to make sure that we start to get financial resources flowing, particularly in the black community? Something right. I addressed with Senator Warner when he had a roundtable the other day, which he had some uh, great ideas about um, um, using uh, some of the um, Federal Reserve processes to help to flow monies into into banks to go directly to the black community. We have to start making sure and putting them, holding them accountable to that. And when we start doing that, what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing certain things start to be addressed. And and not only do we got to go out there and register to vote and like you said, consciously vote. After that, we got to hold them accountable. Got to hold them accountable. And, and that's 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 the whole the whole piece is that. You, you could say anything about, I mean, you know, as, every ethnic group, they have, the, you know, their issues. Right. But as a, f for the most part, we're not going to vote against our self-interest. I mean, no, you know, no, I mean, no, you know, because no, yeah. I see that a lot when, when you, you take, um, let's say, people out in, in rural areas and, you know, people out in, like, the coal mine areas and, mm -hmm. you know, will actually vote to take money and off out their pockets and food off their tables yeah. because, you know, the the, the 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 party that they vote for, uh, and you know who you are, they you know they don't support people who you know are working class and coming up. It's just mm -hmm. it's just the policies just don't fit. So we're gonna yeah. move on. But um, recently, uh, you and your vice president, you yeah. know, I, I saw that and I was like, whoa, man, they, yeah. they mess with my dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, this, you know, yeah. it's like they were uh, arrested by the Portsmouth police mm -hmm. um, and um, dealing with the Confederate, you know, but, you know, what did they charge you with and, and, and how's the case looking now? So they ended up charging us with uh, trespassing on the Confederate monument. That was the charge. Mm. Um, we were taken downtown, um, cuffed, shackled for about uh, 30 to between 30 to wow. 45 minutes, close to an hour. Um for what they say was trust. Now, let me go back to this because okay. this, to get the backdrop. Okay. Give me the backdrop. So we have been advocating for the removal of the monument now. I mean, I know the branch has been advocated for for years, but when I became president, we started in 2015 um, and had a big press conference after some city leaders, the former mayor, Kenny Wright, and uh, Dr. Mark Whitaker, who was on council at the time, um, was pushing for this agenda on council to have it removed. We went out there to support it and to advocate for it to be removed. We did it in 2015. After Charlottesville, we did it again in 2017 when the current mayor, John Rowe, came out and said, I'm for it being removed. I'm going to put for it being removed. I have the votes on council for it to be removed. Had a press conference then. It was supposed to be removed then because the census the on council was majority. We want to get it moved. right? We want to move it out of Times Square. Right. But they 
through maneuvering tactics, through this delay tactics, which is what racism does and bigotry does. They use these tactics in the court. They went through all these maneuvers and saying, oh, well, we don't own it. We can't remove it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. Fast forward. We fast forward to 2020. George Floyd happens. So we got all these situations going on in George Floyd, but we have, I can name William Chapman. Aaron, I mean, Aubrey. I can go, I can go um, down the list there, but even in our city, what we've seen, mm-hmm. um, I can name it. Name the list of names. So we go, we go um, to the monument um, and advocate for the removal again. Now, council says they're going to bring it up. They're going to talk about it. They have a council meeting. They didn't do the, the delay tactic again. So that night before we were arrested, we went out there to the monument to protest. And it, the rules said that you have the right to cover the monument, not deface it. Right. So we went out there the night before and put covers over it. This was late that, Tuesday yeah. night, about 11, and we were up to about 3 o'clock in the morning. The covers over it. The police chief then and the city attorney said, hey, it's good as long as you don't, it's lawful as long as you don't deface the monument. Cool. I get word the next morning, early Wednesday, about 7 a.m., that somebody came and were taking the covers off, right? Mm. Well, I wanted my covers. I was like, wait a minute, oh, mine. you ain't taking, <laughs> give me my stuff. You know what right, I mean? Right. And we had the Black Lives Matter stuff. Oh, I want that. And so I went out there to, and, and we had the right to cover it, to put the cover back up there. Right. So if, if the monument enforcement, there's a fence around the monument. Right. That you can either go on the outside and protest or go on the inside. We had the clearance again from the police chief and the city attorney, the, the not only hours before that you can be in there, you can be in that area. Now, though, this time now, when it's in the light of day, now it's trespassing. Now it's against the law. And oh, again, wow. they were trying to make a model of us. Their, their, their situation was if we cut the head off, then this will, right. this will right. cut it off. So how do you go from something being legally sanctioned and, and, and then illegal within five to six hour span? You don't. So we were arrested uh, for trespassing on the monument. Uh, which again, we had the authority to, we had the authorization by the city to do it six hours before. It, it, yeah, when I, like I said, when I saw it, I was, I was like, wait, 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 wait. You know, of all, I mean, because it was, it was chaos. I mean, a lot of times. I mean, with, and I understand, you know, with the emotions and you know the people. I mean, it's. Um, I've always, even with the monument that sits right outside this building, was removed. Yeah. But you know, I, 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 and, I and people would challenge me on this and I say, well look, you know, I don't care how many monuments, they can remove any mon- all the monuments in this whole country, but until you remove the monuments in your mind, That's you true. know, take away the Confederate monuments that's in your mind, right. then you're gonna still be subject to um, you know, to that same kind of um, mental slavery that's gonna that's gonna tie you down. That's so um, you know, that like so that was that's just my my little rant about yeah. that. Where no, I, I I get you. There's 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 more than just physical monuments, right? There's there's a monument of economic oppression. There's a monument of educational disparity. There, there's several monuments that we have to tear down. But certainly, we want the physical manifestation oh. of racism and bigotry to right. become that because it makes a statement. And real quick, Reagan even. If you go to a conservative Republican, Ronald Reagan went to Berlin and said, knock down this wall, down this wall. so that we can, so that it could right. be a healing. Well, we're saying the same thing. Listen, take down these symbols of oppression so that we can get to some semblance of equity and fairness in our communities. And we don't have to continuously look at this oppressive, racist, racist and bigoted symbol because that's not the kind of symbol that we want in the city unless you want it. 
Unless that's right, unless you want to protect right, right. that philosophy, then you have an issue with it. But if you want to be inclusive and fair, listen, take it down. Let's move forward. Well, you've heard it. You've heard, um, you know, um, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the show. Absolutely. Um, we want you to come back. You know, um, we're going to come back. You know, we're not only going to talk about when things are wrong. You know, I want you to come back when, when things are better and we, we continue to make progress. Absolutely. Because we're not going to stop until we, until we do. So it's a nonstop. Thank you very much, Mr. Boyd, president of the Portsmouth chapter of the NAACP. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. And have a great day.